What do toddlers, King Solomon, and rioters have in common? If you answer sin, or the sinful nature of humanity, then you're at least on the right track, generally speaking, but I'm looking for something a bit more specific. You see, all three present a universal problem common to all ages and eras. That problem, of course, is ultimately caused by the sin nature that we all possess, the same sinful nature passed down from the first man, Adam. This problem relates to the corruptible state of the mind and of the human heart. Think about this in terms of what Jesus said concerning how we are corrupted, that things that truly that are truly corruptive forces in our lives are not those things that we take in from the outside world, but the things that well up from within each and every one of us. Solomon had this to say in what I would argue is the single most powerful dissertation on the nature of humanity, the eternal pointlessness of carnality, and the utter depravity of a purely materialistic worldview. He writes in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, all things are full of labor, man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. You see, we human beings are never fully satisfied. We're never satisfied with the things that we already have, because we're always seeking for something else. We're never satisfied even with our, our current desires, our current goals. Because what? Once we meet those goals, we set new, loftier, and often increasingly sinful goals to attain some new level of material possession or worldly gain, particularly when God is left out of the equation. You see, when you couple that fundamental inability to find true satisfaction with, within the natural world with the instinctive reaction that when given the right motivations and opportunities, there are no limitations to how far we will go just to accomplish, just to fulfill those desires, then is it any wonder that modern society is in its current state? And on that note, welcome each and every one of you. Welcome and thanks for tuning in. You are listening to the Average Apologetics Podcast. I'm Corey, your Average Apologist. As always, if you enjoy this content and would like to hear more, uh, it would be incredibly helpful for this ministry if you make sure to subscribe to the podcast. And if you will share it with your family, with your friends, blast it on social media. Because look, the more people this content reaches, the more people can potentially benefit from it as well. And all the more importantly, the more effort that each and every one of us put into planting and watering and sowing the seeds of righteousness that is carrying out the work of the ministry to God, then statistically, the more increase we will see God provide within and near our communities. Of course, when we're talking about upholding the truth and spreading the word of God, we need to start from a place of sound logic and reasoning. Now, I know that some people are under the impression that logic and reasoning are somehow separate forces from faith and spirituality, but as I've mentioned before, truth and reasoning are cut from the same cloth. Truth is the embodiment of the observable qualities of God reflected throughout the creation, the undeniable realities that make up the universe. 
and those realities are dependent upon the qualities and characteristics of God, Yahweh, the uncaused first cause, the uncreated creator. Unfortunately, though, there are plenty of people who deny reality. They deny the objective truth of the very universe in which they exist. And make no mistake, these people may sometimes live very morally upright lives, or they may possess powerful intellects, but that in and of itself is just further evidence, further verification that these people also, these people, they too are the image bearers of God. Because those qualities, those characteristics, if we're talking about morality, intelligence, they don't exist or or emerge from the flesh alone. They don't just spawn out of the natural creature, but from that union of the mortal shell that we saw crafted back in the garden, back in the, the, the creation account in Genesis, where God formed Adam of the dust of the earth, filled with the breath of God this physical shell to transform it into something entirely unique throughout all of creation, a being made in the image of the God who formed us. But, like I said, even people possessing strong reflections of some of these key characteristics of God fail to uphold the true meanings and purposes of those characteristics. No amount of moral activity and no amount of intellectual prowess will amount to anything without a fundamental grasp of the most basic forms of sound reasoning. And speaking of lacking a sense of reason, or lacking reasoning, what we're going to talk about today has a lot to do with acting on instinct and impulse rather than keeping a level head and thinking things through. Our inability as human beings to ever truly be satisfied here on Earth is a critical component to the chaos we're witnessing rampage unabated throughout society. Like little children, we strive for one toy after another, throwing each one down and stomping it into the mud in the pursuit of another toy that catches our eye just as soon as we finally attain the first. I've been looking at headlines in the news, and I know some of you may say, well, it's a terrible thing to do. Don't look at the headlines. It'll just make you sad. Well, look, I look at the headlines more than I actually read uh, articles in the news, and, and certainly more than I, actually, than I watch any uh, video broadcast of the news. There are very few, very few video broadcasts that I actually watch when it comes to the news. Few and far between, and most of the time, like I said, I just skim the headlines. I get the gist of what's going on and only expend the energy that I deem necessary in reading articles that are genuinely important or just look like they might be entertaining in some way. You never know. You, you, you always run across these oddball articles that are just hilarious. So, yesterday, and this unfortunately is not a hilarious article, this one is a sad article. I, I read the headline and, and then skimmed through the article of how Portland's mayor had extended the state of emergency amid the Antifa and BLM rioting, even after the verdict of the Chauvin trial had been announced. Now, of course, if you've been listening to this podcast, then you'll recall that I have given my opinion already on the matter of Derek Chauvin, of the trial, and of the death of George Floyd. And 
I, I will repeat this much. George Floyd's death was a tragedy. I mean that. It was a tragic, unnecessary situation that was the product of dozens of terrible decisions by multiple people. George Floyd's death itself was tragic. Absolutely. The loss of life is always tragic, no matter who or why. All human beings are created in the image of God and should be treated with respect due to that fact. If for no other reason you should respect people for the very fundamental reality of their existence, because they exist as a creature, as a being formed in the image of our Creator. You may also recall that I have been adamant that with any legal action, any trial, the court needs to be allowed to run its full course. That means all of the details, all of the facts, need to be thoroughly analyzed and interpreted according to the letter of the law so that an objective verdict can be reached. Objective verdict. What is the one thing that I emphasize above anything else in this podcast, in the average apologetics ministry? Objectivity. Objectivity is the key to truly learning. If you're not objective, if you approach something without at the very least acknowledging the ways that your personal biases might influence your conclusion, then your conclusion will most definitely be biased, and it will be nowhere near an objective, accurate, and reliable conclusion based on the facts. The purpose of a court system is what? To, to result in as objective an outcome as possible. In a situation like this where there's a criminal trial underway and it's being presented before a jury, the goal is to what? To preserve as unbiased a set of jurors as possible. That's how any court case, any legal proceeding, anytime, anywhere in the United States is supposed to work. But of course, if you've been following this case, then you know that there has been nothing but chaos surrounding it. There have been riots in the streets, physical and emotional assaults on the, the lives and livelihoods of the people directly involved in the trial and just those who live nearby the major cities where a lot of these riots are taking place. And who can forget the things that people are saying, the things that people have said in the news, on the radio, on TV, things that people are saying on the internet, on social media. I mean, who has been able to go a single day without hearing someone cry out their opinion, usually in a demanding or violent manner? Oh, I know, right? I'm, I'm talking about it here. Look, we, we've seen a range of chaos. From rioters assaulting civilians and burning down small businesses and looters sweeping in afterwards to stuff their pockets, all the way up to elected representatives speaking publicly and sometimes in an inflammatory way about an ongoing criminal proceeding. Now, regardless of your perspective on the events surrounding the tragic death of George Floyd, regardless of your perspective on the information as it has been presented throughout the course of the trial, regardless on, of, your, of your opinion on the verdict that we, have, that we have seen announced at the end of the trial, regardless of any of that, any bias that you may have about it, if you're truly honest, there is one fact that we should all be able 
to acknowledge. And it's this, there was, there was, there were always, there was always going to be a cry for a mistrial. There was always going to be a cry for a mistrial due to the fact that the jury was never sequestered and thus subjugated to a constant barrage of intimidating information. A constant flow of information that was going to shape their decision-making process one way or another. Now, look, I know we're rehashing a little bit this, this topic that, that everyone is probably done with by now. Personally, I'm, I'm done with it. I don't want to talk about it. I want to put the thing to rest. I want to forget about it, if, if I had my way, right? Because the chaos that has surrounded this whole trial has made a mockery has made a mockery of the rule of law, has made a mockery, has made a mockery of the life and death of George Floyd. I mean, that that in and of itself should offend the people who are truly, sincerely protesting. But look, whether we like it or not, the chaos surrounding the trial, the chaos surrounding the death of George Floyd, it's here to stay. It's not going anywhere, even with the jury finding former Officer Chauvin guilty on all charges. Now, you know my opinion. I've already voiced my opinion on what I have seen of the facts as laid out in the evidence. So I'm not going to spend any more time explaining that. But I want you to pay attention in the coming weeks to the violent mob that has already been allowed to rampage out of control. All of which being done in the name of a man that the news media and politicians and various public leaders are treating like some form of messianic figure. I mean, even just this, even just this week, you had Nancy Pelosi in a press conference giving a speech that sounded very reminiscent of a prayer. But it wasn't a prayer directed to God, and it wasn't a prayer directed to Jesus. Sure, she, she mentioned Jesus by name, so I guess that counts, right? No, it was directed to George Floyd. I talked before about how that, that we as a Western society, a Western civilization, have this tendency to put people on pedestals to create idols and how dangerous that is. Look, the chaos is not going anywhere. Watch what is going to take place. Watch what is taking place now with the chaos in the streets, with the violent mob. Because in the next few weeks, I guarantee if you pay attention, watch for the redirect. And already... We're seeing this happen. We're seeing a subtle redirection in place. As soon as the verdict came out, what did people start saying? We've got elected representatives using positions as civil servants to make statements like, well, this is a good first step, but... Or things like, this verdict isn't justice. Not because they disagree with the verdict, but because they want more. 
And that, my friends, is the sentiment that we need to look at. That is what I want us to focus on today. And we'll get into that in just a moment. just want to take a quick moment to thank all of you listeners for your support. I appreciate you tuning in and joining us here on the Average Apologetics Podcast. If you are enjoying this content, I hope that you will subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends, family, blast it on social media, let other people know. Because after all, the more people hear the podcast, the more people can potentially benefit from this content. started by laying the groundwork for looking at this fundamental inability for people to be satisfied, right? We, we, we looked at, at some of the, the, the words, some of the language used by King Solomon and Ecclesiastes. We looked at some examples of the chaos that's going on around us now and how all of this is really just an example, an expression, if you will, of that insatiable desire for more. And I started with a question that included combination of toddlers, King Solomon, and rioters. And, and they all have this sentiment in common. As any parent knows, uh, our little girl, for example, she's two years old. She has more toys than she will ever put to good use on a daily basis. At the very least, she might play with one toy for a few minutes before she puts it down, goes for something else, rinse and repeat. It's a constant process. The interesting thing is that her favorite toys aren't actually toys. The toys that she plays with more than anything else, the things that she keeps going back to. They're not the plastic play pretties that she got from the store. They're not the stuffed animals or the shape blocks or any of the other fancy toys that her mother and her grandmother bought for her. No, her favorite toys are the little things that I least expected, but really should have, really should have expected it. For example, a, a few months back when we were still eating fast food from Sonic before my health issues rendered all fast food places a no-no, we would pick up the kids meal there for our little girl because it comes with a toy, you know, just a little rinky-dinky it's, it's, not, it's not a special toy. The kind of toys that you get at fast food places, they're just like a, a little extra reward. You know, just something nice. But it's not the toy. It's not the toy itself that she likes. No, 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 no. Especially the ones from Sonic, because they, they come in these little packages, and they have the plastic toy, but inside the package, almost... Almost without fail, there's a little slip of paper. Yeah, that little slip of paper with all the information about the toy usually has a picture of the whole series for that month. That, that is the toy she likes best. You see, it's the little folded pieces of paper, little instruction manuals, little miniature books, or anything really that's made of paper. Anything that, that crackles and rattles. And especially if it's something that she's not supposed to have, those are her toys of choice. 
Just the other day, she was running around trying to burn off some of her post-nap energy. I'm sure that's how she views it, right? It's, she, well, she, she ran by the counter and she snagged a wet wipe from the package that I thought I had pushed back out of her reach. It's interesting anytime she does something like that because something as simple as a, a wet wipe is the most amazing toy in her eyes. She has a blast with, with, with a wet wipe, with a paper towel. She'll go around wiping down the coffee table, wiping off her toys. She'll actually play with that longer than she will with their real toys. But even, even those precious toys that she favors only last so long, usually just a few minutes before she moves on to something else. So you see that the real toys, of course, don't get nearly as much use as the odds and ends and the odds and ends and the bits of paper, even even when they when they run their course, uh, she she has long since moved on to something else, looking for something new, some new adventure, some new way to test her boundaries. And you parents out there know what I'm talking about because toddlers are never satisfied. Children, generally speaking, are never satisfied. But you know what? This shouldn't be a secret, but just in case it is, maybe I should whisper it. We adults, we're just the same. Yeah, we, we adults are just the same. We're never satisfied either. We may fool ourselves from time to time. We may fool others, but we never really change. Just take an, an honest assessment of yourself, if you will. If you will. Okay. How many of you have been guilty of impulse buys at the grocery store? Hmm? What about online shopping? Have you ever been browsing? You see something that gets your interest and you keep looking at it. The next thing you know, you're filling out shipping information. Or if you're in even worse shape, you've got your shipping and billing information already programmed into the app on your smartphone or your tablet. You see something you like, you tap a button, you've already made a purchase. I remember when Amazon came out with the, the, the one press purchasing option on the app. It was a terrible invention, an evil invention, because we're never satisfied. We're always looking for something else. And that is precisely what Solomon was pointing out, that no matter how much we gain in this natural life, we're never truly fulfilled. When all we're focused on is the material, it's not going to satisfy us. Just think about it in this, in this way. Because satisfaction is an immaterial sensation, an emotional reaction to a given state of being, the only way to truly experience, to truly elicit that sensation is also through immaterial means. Material means, material objects, possessions, they can't fully engage with that immaterial sensation. And they, 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 may, they may give you a little, a little glimpse of satisfaction, but never the whole thing, never the complete sensation. So a materialistic worldview, it can never fully satisfy us. Although, the majority of people keep trying, no matter how many times it fails. I believe there's there's a saying about the definition of insanity. 
you keep trying the same thing, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Yeah. So I brought up the Chauvin trial for this very reason. Because the rioters, they're not satisfied with the verdict. Maybe some individuals, maybe maybe there are some individuals who are actually protesting, right? Who are actually out there, you know, standing on the street corner, organized, shouting out to, to, to let their voices be heard, to make an appearance. You know, not the people who are burning down buildings and assaulting people at random, besieging police precincts, looting stores. But the actual few who are sincerely gathered to protest maybe some of them will be satisfied with the verdict right but you know what there's a there's a problem there's a problem with that there's a problem with with that possibility because whenever there is a mob and whenever the mob runs amok mob mentality takes over what happens to people who have good intentions, but get overwhelmed by the mob. The best of intentions can still get caught up in the swell, and it's, it's like trying to swim against the waves in a rising tide. So you can't really be surprised when we see riots ongoing in spite of, of the guilty verdict. You can't really be surprised, can you? As long as... Chaos is given free reign to rampage unabated. It will not stop. It will not stop on its own. And it, and it won't stop. It won't stop for the sake of something that never had anything to do with its unleashing in the first place. And let, let me clarify what I mean there. Because the riots, the political speeches news media, the coverage, the social media, the constant barrage of antagonism across the board, little to none of it ever had anything to do with George Floyd. His tragic death was just a convenient excuse. It was an excuse for human beings to unleash the chaos. According to Proverbs, chapter 27, verse 20, Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. You see, because we are all sinners, we are all fundamentally flawed. That innate flaw, that nature that leads, it leads to chaos. When it's left unchecked, it spirals. It spirals out of control when it is left unchecked. But guess what? Guess what? There's still good news. The good news is that there is still hope. We talked a little bit about hope. We talked a little about hope before. There is hope for each and every one of us. There is hope for society. You know why there's hope? Well, think about this. We can't be fulfilled by the natural things this world has to offer. Not with material wealth, not social or political power, not social justice, not successfully promoting your ideas. Well, well, hey, you know, if you're successfully promoting an ideology, well, that that's got to be a that's got to be an immaterial gain, right? Right? Well, no, 
even pushing an immaterial idea, right? Even pushing an idea, pushing an ideology and being successful in swaying another human being, all you've actually done is swayed a material human being into changing their mind about something that might affect how they live their lives, which in turn affects what? It affects, it affects the material realm. So even what you gain out of that is still at least partially material. So that's, that's one of the big misconceptions that a lot of people have about mission work and evangelism, the, the ministry. For some people, it seems like there's this idea that, well, if, if, we, can, if we can go out and just hit a, hit a quota, we can hit the right, the magic number. The mission field, evangelism, the, the preaching of the gospel, apologetics work, it's, it's about bringing the truth so that souls might be saved. But there is no set number. There is no quota of people whom you can lead to the Lord Jesus that will finally satisfy you. That longing within a child of God is never fulfilled within the constraints of the natural life. No, the only one who can give us satisfaction is Jesus himself. No amount of good works, no amount of success in the ministry, no amount of souls we see delivered out of the clutches of sin and depravity only the hand of God himself can put an end to our otherwise never-ending need to attain more. It's part of our nature. You see? What I'm talking about doesn't just apply to the darkness. It doesn't just apply to sin. And it's easier for us to, to recognize it when we're thinking in terms of sin, right? Thinking in terms of evil. It's easier to recognize this insatiable aspect the inability to find satisfaction when we're looking at the chaos, when we're looking at temptations. But if we're really objective, and again, that kind of falls back to, to that, that same rudimentary uh, rule and, and rudimentary aspect of what average apologetics is all about, and, and really what apologetics in general is all about, is being objective and looking at discerning what is the truth versus what is bias, what is an opinion. If we're really objective about this, then we see this same fundamental insatiability in the spiritual lives of believers. As, again, our only satisfaction comes from God, not ourselves. Just like our righteousness. Our righteousnesses are as filthy rags before the nostrils of the Almighty God. We cannot attain true righteousness on our own. Only God can grant us that boon. And He only does that through the cross of Calvary, through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. It's something that transforms our desires. It transforms us, it changes us, so that over time, as we grow closer to God, our desires shift further and further away from fleshly gratification, as is by nature, towards spiritual endeavors. But make no mistake, even when our desires shift, even when we become more focused on spirituality, even when we become more focused on God, the inability to reach full satisfaction within the constraints of the natural life never ends. We think about that. Think about what I'm saying. This is a good thing. This is a great 
thing. Just think about it. When God transforms lives, he flips one of the core aspects that, that otherwise drives us into darkness and gives us the opportunity to redirect that insatiability to channel it into something good. I want to talk about hope. There is your hope for society. It doesn't come out of a courtroom. It doesn't come out of a, a judgment, out of a verdict. It's certainly not going to come from the burnout husk of department stores and vandalized gas stations around the country. It's not going to come from the mouths of politicians, let alone their actions. Change for the better and truly benevolent transformation within society, the kind of change that is necessary to dispel the wickedness, to dispel the chaos. And, and, and what is one of the big issues, right? the big social issues that has provoked the majority of the chaos that we're seeing going on right now. What what is one of the what is one of the motivating factors is what? Racism. Well the force, the benevolent force of the transformation from God, the hope that only He can provide, it it has the power to dispel the wicked doctrine of racism. And I'm talking specifically about the lie that spawns that sense of prejudice, a prejudice that uh, Abraham Hamilton III, if you're familiar with him, radio personality, likes to, t likes to call pigmentation partiality. The lie that created that prejudice is the foolish notion that we human beings are not one race of mankind created in God's image, but are somehow multiple evolutionary diverse creatures from some Darwinian origin. That lie. That's the lie I'm talking about. And that's the doctrine that I'm talking about that spawns what we know in society as racism. The only force that will transform and do away with all those problems, it isn't found in material things. The materialistic worldview does not create that force. It does not provide that force. It's not found within humanity. The things that come from within us are the things that corrupt us. So what Jesus said, no, it is what it is what comes from outside, specifically from outside humanity, outside the world, and outside the very creation. It is the external force that exists outside the created universe. What comes from our Creator, our God, our Savior, our King, that is our hope. Now look, there is a lot more that we could talk about on this subject, but I will leave it there for now. For those of you listening, you have my utmost gratitude and my sincerest prayer that you continue in your pursuit of the knowledge of the truth. And please, don't forget, subscribe to this podcast and share it with others so that this ministry may grow and benefit as many people as possible. Let's work together, bring the light of the truth to as many people as we can, from one tiny corner of the internet to anywhere that your hearts desire. We may not ever be completely fulfilled, completely satisfied while living in this natural world, but we can use that to our advantage. And so, my friends, never give up. Never stop searching. Never stop growing. Never stop learning. And never be distracted from your goal to seek the truth in all things. Until next time, God bless.